Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be joined by Tom Stone. Thanks for talking with me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about your new book. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, And a little bit of your background so folks know you're uh, there, as they might be able to tell from your accent. Uh, you're there in uh, the United Kingdom, and you've got a BA in theology from the Great Newbold College and a postgraduate certificate in education, religious education, from the University of Oxford. And you're an ordained elder for the Newbold Church, and you work in the religious education department at a school there. So I'm um, looking forward to picking your brain about education as well, perhaps. Thanks. Yeah, well, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Great. Well, the reason that we're going to talk primarily is because of your new book called In the Shadow of the Pyramids, a reflective commentary on the narrative of Deuteronomy. And it's published by Westbow Press, a subsidiary of Thomas Nelson. So what made you want to write this um, this sort of devotional style exploration of uh, a book that doesn't get a lot of attention? No, yeah, excellent question. I'm still asking myself that. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do all that work for? Um, no, so it kind of developed quite naturally. So I've been reading through the Bible fairly recently in, in chapter, in books. So I've been reading, taking a book of the Bible and just reading it cover to cover uh, and seeing what comes out. And so I you know, did that with a few books and then got to the book of Deuteronomy. This was kind of at the beginning of last year, just before lockdown. Uh, here anyway, um, and read through Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy cover to cover for the first time, and I was just blown away by what was in it, what, what I uncovered, discovered for myself, that is, um, and I made so many notes, I read, you know, other kind of commentaries and, and explanations on what I was reading, and just absolutely blown away by it, um, and then I kind of got to the end and thought, you know, I would like to do something with with this, with all the notes I've made, with with the impact that it's had on me, kind of spiritually at the time. And so, yeah, I just started writing reflections um, on on each chapter and and published them online as a blog. And yeah, it just gradually, kind of organically, turned into a, a book. Well, congratulations for this publication. And I, as I was reading through the copy that you sent me, thanks for doing that, I noticed that you talked about um, discovering the habit of journaling for your sort of devotional practice. And can you talk a little bit about how that uh, sort of transfer transformed your spiritual experience? Oh, absolutely. It's just it's been one of those things which has just had a huge impact on, on me personally, journaling. Discovered it for myself about 10 years ago 
um, and yeah, just just been just been journaling really ever since. So, um, you know, just having a, a notebook, making lots of no, you know, just whenever the kind of spirit or my spirit leads, just either writing down my thoughts on a particular thing if if I'm going through, or you know, if I'm going through some kind of emotional time emotional turmoil or something or something's going on just writing it down or if i'm you know want to record a prayer um or just something happens and i think you know what i just want to record this for kind of posterity's sake then yeah just just keep keeping notes of things writing down perhaps favorite quotes of books i'm reading at the moment Mm. things like that yeah i uh started writing down quotes from books uh back when i was um a teenager and when i've gone back and looked at some of those, uh, I can see how literally the practice of writing down a quote has shaped me in ways that I never would have uh, expected. What I like about what you said about journaling is that you've, you've preserved these journals and they kind of function as uh, the way that the Torah functions in the Jewish religion, which is a record, a, a sort of written record of God interacting with humans and humans recording their spiritual experiences with the divine. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. It is their, their kind of national journal, I suppose you, you could put it that way, <laughs> modern, modern way of uh, interpreting the Torah. Yeah, it's their, it's their journal of their journey through from being nomad slaves to inheriting the promised land and what they experience along the way, the, the ups and the downs, the, the, the events, the key events, the um, good and the bad, and, and the, particularly the, the, the instructions from Moses. So that's what you know, Deuteronomy basically is. It's a record of Moses' instructions and some of the key events along the way before they then enter the promised land and you have the, the books of Judges that, that follow. Yeah. So you just described Deuteronomy as a record of of instructions. Why do you find those sort of instructions so uh, fascinating? Uh, I think you do a really interesting job of making practical applications. You talk about how to talk to a, how to spot a communist in church, how to how how Moses predicted Brexit. So you're making it very uh, practical for today um, and bringing it to life. How, like, tell me the, your experience of, of reading Deuteronomy and, and what makes you, what makes those sort of dry, very, you know, historically removed instructions relevant. I guess I, I was reading through it. It does, it makes more sense. I think when you read a, book in the bible cover to cover you get the whole feel for for what's going on rather than just you know like you, know, you refer to the, the i talk about how moses predicted brexit uh, and that's me i suppose maybe clutching at straws on the on the <laughs> festival of weeks which is in deuteronomy 15 i think so yeah if you read that on its own the festival it kind of doesn't really make sense but if you read it within the context of deuteronomy kind of the first you know you read the preceding 15 chapters it does add a bit more flavor to it. But yeah, just, I suppose, trying to perhaps imagine what it was like, you know, kind of physically be a bit creative, take a bit of artistic license and think, you know, what would you have felt standing there listening to Moses utter these words, having 
you know, your, your parents have, have now passed away because um, of what's gone on in the past 40 years. And you saw Egypt, you've seen Pharaoh, you've seen soldiers, you've seen slavery, you've seen it all. And, and here you are kind of try, trying to get into that mindset, I suppose. Mm. I love how you're thinking about... But yeah, it's a lot of clutching at straws, I think. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, most devotionals are really, I think, about helping us um, enter into a, a, a shared consciousness with the spiritual truths that are removed so much by space and time from us. Um, and... I'm kind of curious what your educational um, journey has been uh, that kind of led you to publish a book, successfully publish a book like this that is so personal. So what got you interested in exploring theology? Yeah, great question. Um, so as, as you've already alluded to, I went to Newborough College, studied the theology there. And yeah, that, that's kind of part of my journey before that. You could say I, I, I think personally that I've felt kind of, I guess, a call to ministry, a call to at least study theology. I haven't quite fulfilled that call to ministry just yet. Um, but yeah, went went to study theology and just fascinated by it. I, I, I love getting into a, into the Bible and and reading it and understanding it and asking those those kind of philosophical questions. And then yeah, after after finishing the the degree, theology degree, just continuing to read read loads loads of books and a lot of the ideas that i i got uh, and that i've put into the um the commentary of the book i would say definitely a lot of them come from tom wright's mm. ideas i don't know if you heard of nt Wright. yeah yeah i recently love him right yeah exactly love him too um prior to writing this i read quite a few of his books so that inspired me to, to dig a bit deeper and i saw a lot of what he was saying when he talks about the, the new testament uh, in Deuteronomy as well. Yeah, and then just lots of other authors along the way, really, picking up bits and bobs from here, from everyone. Yeah. Can you talk, uh, you know, I know Tom DeBruin there at, at Newbold. Who who were some of the influential uh, teachers that you had in your time there at the college? Yes. Yeah, Tom DeBruin was, was there, joined after I'd left, so okay. I didn't get to meet him. Um, but, man, there's there's so many influential every everyone is influential in new world it's just inspiration it's a place of inspiration uh dr mike pearson yeah yeah um dr gifford ramey great cedric vine who i think is now in the states mm -hmm. um dr antich as well oh yeah great helped me quite proof proofread half of my book uh helped me with my dissertation when i was doing the ba so yeah the Massive respect for these people, just in awe of, or a lot of them. Yeah, great. You know, I hate to put you on the spot here, but you know, they're thinking about changing the the program there at Newbold. I don't know if you've seen that in in Adventist News, and and kind of getting rid of the current structure of the program and and making it kind of more focused on practical pastoral training. Do you have any thoughts on that, having recently gone through uh, the program? Yeah, putting me on the spot. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a good idea to have that emphasis um, on practical pastoral theology. It's, it's not a bad thing. Definitely not. 
there's, I think there's just this, there's a space for, for every kind of theological study, systematic, you know, exp- which is, I suppose, what my book is, Systematic Theology, Understanding the Story of the Bible, uh, as well as pastoral, yeah, yeah, place for both, I think, yeah. Okay. Hand in hand. I think, again, you know, I think we have to perhaps re, or maybe in the UK, we, we definitely need to re- redefine what it means to be a pastor. To what it means to be kind of a you know lead in a church, which is inherently practical. So the more practical training people get, you know, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about education. Then what um, what led you to uh, be involved in that discipline, and um, and how does it sort of connect with your theological interests? So yeah, so I I teach religious education. So I'm in it every day, all day. And what age group uh, is that for folks who don't know the British system? Okay, so it's I believe it's equivalent of high school. Yeah. So eleven to eighteen year olds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Big range. Yeah. Lots of uh, lots of opinions among that crowd. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lots of uh, challenging. Lots of challenging opinions as well. Yeah. So what's uh, what what sort of things are you trying to communicate? to that age group? What's really core? You know, you can say a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I don't remember half of what my dear uh, Bible teachers said, but I learned and it, it had an effect on me. Um, I can still think, I mean, I read Patriarchs and Prophets in one class, cover to cover <laughs> for a Bible class. You know, it seemed... Uh, dumb at the time, although I took it seriously and I, you know, highlighted almost every single page of that book. But, um, you know, it had an influence on me and absolutely affected me. Um, what What's important for you to communicate to your students? Yeah, so I, I teach in a secondary school, a state school, so uh, not an Adventist or, or Christian school. Sure. It's a, it's a Church of England school, but um, yeah, the the emphasis on so is no, on teaching. So no, right. Ellen White. <laughs> no, 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 Ellen White. No, who's that? They would say. <laughs> so what? What are you? What's your? Um, you you have some so, state requirements, obviously, but what else? Yeah, state requirements. But one of the things we you know we try to get across a few few main things. One of them is to just try and open their mind to what's out there, to different people, different cultures, different ways of thinking. Because yeah, I, I guess maybe within within every school, but definitely within the school that I teach in, it's quite narrow collective experience. Kind of a very middle class, kind of social and economical, well off type people. So yeah, just trying to broaden their their sense of experience, um, show them there's more out there, get them to question their own beliefs as well. So whether that's whether they they are coming to school with a religious background and they're They've got a belief in God or a belief in a religion, getting them to perhaps challenge themselves, dig a bit deeper. Or if they're coming to school with a with an atheist background or an agnostic and they're they're you know openly critical of religion, well, challenging that. You know, why? What's what can actually religion offer you? And how can you learn from religion and not just kind of poo-poo it, you know, all the time? Um, so there's that. There's also we we really try and place an emphasis on kind of social responsibility. So really trying to pick out like the moral teachings of religion. And, you know, we look at the life of Jesus, 
all the time you know the teachings of jesus what does that mean for us how can we how can they as as kids you know love their neighbors as themselves be the good samaritan that kind of thing um because yeah you don't you don't need to be religious to do that so trying to get that across to them that that kind of social responsibility social advocacy which i definitely touch on in the book as well so it's come across yeah i it ties in nice i like how, yeah. how you explore that um in that chapter on how to spot a communist in church i thought you did a nice twist to helping us thinking about help us think about sharing and the ways that even our mm-hmm. practice of tithing is connected to that oh yeah absolutely yeah it's all about sharing really in deuteronomy it's one of the themes massive themes yeah which yeah. is core to forming a a sustainable community, which I think is what, you know, the book is really helping us think about. What are the rules to live by? Um, what uh, what sort of thing do you want readers to get out of your book? Uh, you know, what's the, some folks listening to this will sort of be interested in it. It's a great sort of devotional, very, I think, fresh, uh, in part because it's not done by a denominational press. Uh, and so we've got an Adventist here who's thinking about uh, Deuteronomy in a way that's broader than um, what you'd get out of, you know, the the Review and Herald um, or Pacific Press sort of thing. Um, what What's your goal? What do you want your readers to take away after the experience? Yeah, excellent question. So a couple of things, really. One is to, if they haven't already, to have a, an understanding of the grand epic of the bible to see that there is a big narrative going on and it's reflected in the book of deuteronomy deuteronomy kind of as i think i mentioned on the first page is the linchpin of the bible you know the rest of the story before after even you know new testament life of jesus doesn't really make sense unless you understand that that grand story beginning to end and deuteronomy reflects that absolutely you know new eden to Eden restored or, you know, the first Exodus, second Exodus, that that's what kind of the whole Bible is about. So yeah, Deuteronomy just reflects that. So first of all, to, and to have that in their mind, to have that understanding of the Bible. And, and secondly, to see perhaps how it's, how it's relevant to them. Instructions that Moses gives to the Israelites in Deuteronomy, just that they're still relevant. They're still important. They still teach us valuable, valuable lessons. Like we've, we've already alluded to about sharing, about, sharing you know our time our money our energy jesus obviously reflects a lot of these teachings as well in what he says and what he does and and it's all whether it's in the old testament or new testament it's all basically about bringing the kingdom of god on earth as in heaven which is obviously that line from the lord's prayer and when we think like that that's inherently personal because that what the kingdom of god looks like in in our lives is obviously you know relevant to space and time and culture and, and what you have at your disposal so yeah it's to see the, I suppose, to see themselves in the book of Deuteronomy. You make that very um, bold claim that it's the linchpin and I'll leave readers to, to read it on their own and decide if they agree with you or, or don't. Absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I thought you buttressed your point nicely by connecting um, Matthew four and uh you know, you talk about the kingdom of God, which is what drives the Matthew story. Uh, I think Matthew 4 is one of those um, stories about Jesus that I find so rich, where he's being tempted by the devil. And yeah. those sort of temptations are literally 
the temptations of the church today, power and the the access to something beyond ourselves that deep spirituality um, offers, but at the same time can corrupt. And I I found it so um, rich how you connected Jesus's statements there. Uh, from Deuteronomy 5 through 7 to that Matthew 4 uh, narrative and and really showed how Deuteronomy was important in Jesus really passing this existential test um, for his ministry. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what folks think as, as they read through the book as well. You know, as we're wrapping up here, I'd love to kind of get a little bit of your uh, background. Did did you grow up Adventist there in the UK? Yeah, yeah, mixed mixed upbringing. So my mum is an Adventist, and third, so I'm I'm third generation Adventist from my grandparents. Uh, my father isn't not a Christian at all. So there's definite there, there was there's tension there. Sure. Yeah, yeah, tension as as anyone in that situation would know. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, Grew up in that sense as an Adventist, as a Christian, using you know reading the Bible from a young age. And were you always sort of reading, interested in reading the Bible up, up, uh, up through your college experience? Did you ever have a sort of crisis of faith or something that um, made you, you know, question what the Adventist uh, upbringing was providing for you? I don't think I've, I've questioned the. Adventist upbringing. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of questions about the way we, as Adventists, you know, perhaps do church and the way we behave and, and the way we practically behave on a collective scale or on a local collective scale in our individual churches. Perhaps a lot of a lot of questions and concerns around that. Uh, yeah, not so much theology, mainly you know practical. How do we represent ourselves? How do we demonstrate the love of Jesus to other people? Um, and sometimes I, I think perhaps our, our Adventist practices perhaps get in the way of that or should maybe be re, rethought or redefined. So, yeah, I have a lot of questions around that, definitely. Well, I like how you use this book to sort of probe those questions and, and help us think about our duty yeah. to our fellow uh, hu- uh, human and uh, also the, the sort of calls to a collective um, just society that is there in in deuteronomy as well so absolutely yeah yeah well it's been uh, a pleasure talking with you tom thank you so much for uh sharing your devotional journey in a public way and really putting yourself out there and um i'm looking forward to seeing what else you publish down the road <laughs> one book at a time please <laughs> Well, when you get the next, when you get the next one out, uh, send me a, a link, and I'd love to chat with you about that one. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to as well. Yeah, I look forward to um, hearing any feedback from readers. Always happy to to receive feedback. Of course, positive or, of course, or, uh, challenging. Writing is a, a lonely road, and it's always nice to know you have some fellow travelers. Where can folks? Uh, of course, we'll include links when we publish this. But where can folks find? your books and how can they get in touch with you if they have some uh, thoughts on what they read? Absolutely. Yeah. So the book is available on, I think about 40 different uh, booksellers, Amazon, 
Barnes & Noble, I believe, in the US. You can get it direct from the publishers, Westbow Press, their website. Just Google the title of the book and my name and it will come up with various booksellers. So choose the one that suits you, I suppose. And there isn't a contact on the book itself, but um, I think if, yeah, if they've got feedback, you can leave it on like an Amazon review or it's on Goodreads. So leave some re- feedback on, on Goodreads, for instance, on there. Yeah, or on Facebook. Find me on Facebook. Contact me directly. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much for talking with me and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for your time. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely.